0: Welcome to episode 285 of Destination Linux, a Tux Digital Podcast. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of Sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Michael.
1: I'm Ryan. And I'm Jill.
0: And on this week's episode of Destination Linux, we're going to be discussing how soon is too soon to ship software. Then we'll be discussing Thunderbird 102 and their latest release and all the new uh, gizmos and gadgets that they're included in this release. Plus we have our tips, tricks, and software picks, all this and much more coming up right now on Destination Linux. This week, we are excited to announce that we have a new merch drop on the Tux Digital Store for Sinister Windy Collection. And I just want to point out that I am the innocent party here. I'm just a designer. It wasn't a design that that, that I came up with. It was a Ryan's design. So. I just made Why are tweets. you trying what? to
2: get out of this? Why are you trying to back your way be like, oh, I'm just the designer? Because you're scared of Wendy. That's <laughs> what it is. You're scared of Sinister Wendy. But we finally have Wendy merch out there. And listen, uh, I have to say, while this was a lot of my concept of the devil and the angel versions of Wendy merged together into this beautiful shirt, Michael, you made this beautiful design out of this crazy idea. That's one of the things I love about you is that I come up with these absolutely ridiculous concepts and I have no artistic capability and I just talk to you about them and then you make them a reality. And the sinister Wendy collection is dope. You know, it's dope. It looks so good.
0: It is awesome. I love it. <laughs> and we and, and if you wanted to find out what Wendy thinks about it, you can check out the latest episode of hardware addicts where we talk to uh, Wendy about this new art collection so if you want to get, check it out, go to tuxdigital.com slash SinisterWendy. And you can also check out all the other great stuff on the store at tuxdigital.com slash store. And this was a great idea in terms of it captures the essence of Wendy pretty well.
2: <laughs> I love the text underneath, which says, I'm always nice until the mic's off, yeah, which is Wendy. Be- you all don't know yeah. that side of Wendy. Michael's scared of her now. He wants to remove himself <laughs> from the shirt. But I think next oh. we need a Sinister Jill shirt.
1: Oh, no, exactly. no, no People
2: no, no. don't know how sinister Jill can be as well after the show when the mic's off. You
0: we're going to have to change it to Savage Jill. No.
2: Savage Jill and Sinister <laughs> yep. Wendy. Oh, no. Poor <laughs> Wendy. She loves this Aww. shirt, by the way. And her husband's reaction to the shirt was even funnier because we got to hear that. Um, if you listen to Hardware Addict, she tells the story. But yeah. it's really funny how her family reacted to this shirt. So we're not the only ones. They thought she needed a Sinister Wendy shirt out there. Uh, But check it out. If you're on Team Wendy, if you want to support Wendy out there from Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, go get yourself some Sinister Wendy merch. It's designed by Michael. And a lot of this merch is not going to be there forever. So if you don't get it now, you may not get to get it at all. So Mm -hmm. we're going to have a lot of designs rotating through. And this is one of those rare designs you need to get your hands on before it goes away. Yep. Besides Sinister Wendy, we have really nice feedback coming from Abigail, and if you want to send your feedback to us, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contact to get in touch or join the Tux Digital community forum by going to tuxdigital.com and clicking on the form link at the top of the page. So Abigail writes us to say, the HP Dev 1 had a couple of weeks of hype, and I totally bought into it. But events this week have brought me down to earth. Myself and a team of five other developers reached out to the procurement team to see about getting a Dev1 demo unit to see if we could replace our existing Dell and HP machines. We were disappointed that not only could we not get a demo unit, but we were told that the Dev1 is not enterprise-grade. What? What? (laughs) I thought this was made for developers. Is it just independent developers? How is it not enterprise-grade? Is it because it doesn't have... An Intel processor or Windows, so, or hey, what?
0: R- Ryan, um, you know, I have obviously a lot of experience in hardware, so of course yeah. I know what enterprise grade means. But for those who are listening that aren't aware, could you help me? I mean, them. What does enterprise grade mean specifically in this kind in this case?
2: That's an interesting question. So I was hoping the person that they were speaking with maybe was just confused, like maybe they just didn't want to give a demo unit or something and making an excuse, I don't know. But there's a lot of things that could go into an enterprise grade machine. For instance, you would expect extended warranties, right? Would be one thing that you get with enterprise grade. Durability, there are more extreme conditions. Usually they can operate, so they're generally more durable than a consumer laptop. They also cost a lot more money as well. Sometimes enterprise-grade includes things like uh, mobile device management, so admins and things can manage them remotely. They have business software installed. They don't have all the bloat. You're not going to get the candy crush and the 800 other stupid programs Windows 10 bundles. Well, now I don't want it then. With Windows 10, uh, (laughs) usually, anyways, with an enterprise-grade machine. Um, Also, battery life is kind of a big deal um, because obviously the expectation is that enterprises, people will be working remotely, maybe going to other offices, doing presentations and things. So batteries are generally better in the enterprise level machines. So I don't know what specifically in this case makes the HP Dev 1 according to this one source or person, not enterprise grade. Um, Its battery life isn't the greatest, which could be something to do with it. It has a 53 watt hour lithium ion battery in it with three cells. It's not removable um, as far as I can tell. The battery provides supposedly like up to 12 hours, but most people I'm seeing are saying like, it gets between eight hours, and if you're barely doing anything on it, and some people said as little as two hours on the battery for the HP Dev1. So the battery could be a problem with this machine. I'm not sure what it is specifically, or maybe it's just not have the durability For the extreme conditions and things that you would see with an enterprise. But this is very weird. Like, Why would you make a developer's version of a laptop that wouldn't be able to work in an enterprise? It just makes literally no sense unless you're only targeting, as this person said, individuals, developers who only work on one individual project, which I don't think would be the case. So maybe the person they talked to was misinformed, I'm hoping.
1: Yeah, me too. Well, the other thing is that HP they do have their high end Z series laptop of laptops and workstations come with Linux pre installed, and maybe because it's not part of the Z family, <laughs> so yeah,
2: I'm not yeah. I'm not sure there. I mean, generally this is a very well priced laptop for what you're getting, right? It's right yeah. at that thousand dollar mark. So maybe because enterprise generally can be a lot more expensive than that. I I don't know. We'll just have to see. Maybe somebody can reply to us and let us know why this isn't enterprise grade, or if that one person that they talked to might have been wrong. But that is certainly something they need to fix, because I would think they're going to miss out on a lot of sales. uh, As they go on to say, the people who are going to buy this the most are enterprise customers. So, you, you know, from businesses, like selling one or two here and there to the consumer market, great but if you could sell to businesses and sell hundreds of them at a time that would be something that would make this a success and if they're not then this may be something that kind of flops
1: yeah well you know there were other i looked at their enterprise level laptops and there were some that were under $1000 which is uh, lower than the hp dev 1 so it's it's, yeah, it's, so a little it's not confusing. a price thing yeah
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah i it's interesting because the Dev1 is a machine that I'm looking closely at because I'm kind of sick of playing with other machines where you've got to have like, for instance, you get some HPs and they got Bang & speakers, which do not work well in Linux at all because the amplifier they use in them doesn't get triggered correctly mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of, there's just always some annoying thing when you get a machine that wasn't meant for Linux. And so I've been looking at laptops like they're made and this is one was definitely at the top of my list but based on some of the things I'm seeing, like the battery life, I did we did mention in the prior episode that there was a rumor that you couldn't upgrade the RAM, but you can upgrade the RAM in this. You It comes stock with, I think, just 16, but you can go and do your own upgrade, which is cool with this machine as yeah. well. Um, so there's some really cool things here, and I like HP has one of the cleanest supply chains of any... PC manufacturer out there, which is very important to me as well. All the things of the rumors aside and issues like this, this would be a laptop I definitely want to get my hands on, but there's mm-hmm. just some frustrations here that need to be worked out or figured out, it sounds like.
0: I mean, it looks like a really interesting laptop, and I hope it is, you know, just someone, you know, not like the person they talk to just doesn't know the details of that that particular model. Maybe they, you know, they work on so many, they have so many different models, and that maybe not all of their you know, representatives are fully aware of like the intricacies of each one and that sort of thing. So hopefully, it's that sort of that kind of situation. But you know, the Dev One does look like a really interesting laptop, and the fact that it's priced in a reasonable price is you know very appealing. And I and I really wanted to be a success because of the Linux first focus. Uh, that's a incredibly important thing for, for us uh, on the show to you know promote companies to look at that as a. An option to, you know, because it's not just like it used to be where we would just want someone to do this. This is a viable option these days. You know, there's so many things you can do with Linux and so many things you can you can have as a improved experience when it comes by default. So I want Mm -hmm. and hopefully other companies, you know, I know we already have many companies like Dell and Lenovo that Mm -hmm. are shipping Linux by default, but hopefully even more like Asus and, you know, others Could consider doing this as well so i think this is uh, i want it to be good and i hope that this is just more of a misunderstanding
2: well abigail mentioned that specifically saying hey if this doesn't work out maybe we can get someone to reach out like from zorn or mint to azus and other things and that's one of the big things i think is a great point abigail that i want to kind of encourage is i want to see a lot of that reaching out between distros and hardware manufacturers and those relationships a lot more of this type of stuff with partnerships with HP, Dell, whomever, I think it's going to be fantastic for Linux because some people just want to get in and do development work. They don't want to sit there and tinker with their machine and figure out why certain things aren't working or why something's not compatible or connect an Ethernet cord because you got to get the updated kernel before it works with the Wi-Fi card. All those little (laughs) annoyances you have when you're dealing with something not made for Linux, we want to get rid of that and make that a thing of the past. And I think those manufacturing partnerships are the key to that.
0: And the key to a good cloud experience is DigitalOcean. This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. So get started by going to do.co/tux2022. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. With DigitalOcean, you also get predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. You also get support at every stage of growth, whether you're a team of one person or a team of a thousand people, with simple, powerful cloud computing at DigitalOcean you can get growing regardless of size. And as a listener of the Destination Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. Actually, it's better than free. You're gonna get a $100 free credit when you sign up at do.co slash Tux 2022. That's do.co slash T-U-X 2022. So go get that $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform, where you can do all sorts of different awesome droplets, you can check out their marketplace. We have the one-click installs of so much great stuff. We have a bunch of those ourselves. Our forum runs on DigitalOcean. We have uh, the Jitsi server running on, on D- DigitalOcean. So much of that of our infrastructure is powered by DigitalOcean, and you can do that too by going to do.co/tux2022. I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux.
2: So there was an open letter that went out to our community a few weeks back, and it caught my attention for a couple different reasons. The open letter was entitled, Please do not ship work-in-progress to users, and was targeted to developers, specifically of distros, that are shipping developers' patches without consulting them first. Now, the letter covers a whole bunch of different facts and issues that this creates, but the end result is... They said that doing this creates frustrated end users who don't know that it's still a work in progress or they think it's just buggy or broken. So of course they're gonna then open request tickets and be like, why is this thing broken? And the developers are like, wait a minute, I marked this as beta or I marked this as work in progress. Why Why are you shipping that? And so they're trying to discourage people from doing this because it also discourages developers from wanting to open source their code in the first place obviously, if it was closed source, you wouldn't even have that opportunity to go grab that code and then you know, send it out before it was ready. So I guess the question here for me is, what do you think caused this? I know, Jill, you've had a chance to read it. Michael, you've had a chance mm-hmm. to read this letter. They don't specify in here what caused this open letter to the community to be written. But I have some suspicions, and I'm just curious, we'll start with you, Michael, what your thoughts are of...
0: Well, I, I don't. I couldn't help but notice that the a lot of the developers who signed the open letter were uh, from mobile projects, and it makes me wonder if this has something to do with the Manjaro shipping that GNOME Shell on mobile in their unstable mm. branch. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And so this this there's probably other things that do this as well, but I think the timing was just kind of interesting. So that's why I um, I don't I don't know for sure, but that's my guess. Uh, they did explicitly say it was for testing, though. Uh, so in Manjaro they said it's for if you want to try it out it's in the unstable branch and that sort of thing so it's 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 not exactly the same kind of thing as like what this sh- the do not ship work in progress stuff to users because they did clarify but maybe it's more of a you know this has happened frequently over the years and they wanted to kind of just put it out there to you know have that as a you know just a something to think about
2: so they do mention that mm-hmm. hey' we're, if you want to help, fix the code or work with us directly or ask us first, you want to do X, Y, Z with the code, just go to the developer and ask them before you grab it. If it's in that work in progress status or other things or in some type of unfinished status. So they don't want to discourage people from testing code or working with it. They just don't want it shipped with distros and things like that. But like you said, Manjaro did make it very clear. And again, we don't know that they were talking about Manjaro. They made it very clear that this was a work in progress Mm thing and beta and you may have bugs and it may break and all that, but it was interesting because I saw the same thing you did. A lot of mobile developers and I was thinking about that specific situation with Gnome Shell. And so anyways, the the other question it raised, which to me is more humorous is, are open letters even an effective way to address this to begin with? And obviously it got our attention. Yeah. I mean, so there's that. But I'm not sure it's going to get the attention of the people they're wanting to because like this situation we're trying to guess like what happened who was involved in it what caused the need for this open letter how often is this happening or impacting developers we don't know because none of that was really in there the, the stated impact and it got me thinking about the business world because i learned really early on in leadership that the worst thing you could do let's say you have a problem with an individual who i don't know comes in late to the office is hold a team meeting and talk in a team meeting environment about why you should stop being late to work in a team environment versus addressing that individual. Because what I notice happens in those cases is the individuals who don't have to worry about it, that I'm not talking to, usually your most serious high performers, they start worrying like, oh crap, there was that one day I was a minute late. He must be talking to me about that one time I was a minute late. Aww. And like, you're not even thinking about them. You're thinking about the person who's chronically 20, 30 minutes late every single day. And they're over there playing on their phones. They're not even paying attention to you. And an open letter to me is kind of the same thing. Like it's much better to go to that individual you have the problem with instead of trying to address it as a team and say, hey, stop showing up late. What can we do to fix it? That blah, blah, blah. And that was just a random example. But I think the open Mm -hmm. letter thing is kind of the same is like how effective is it to shotgun this thing out there? And do the people that you want to read it, are they even going to read it? and is it going to really make a difference if we don't really know what's being talked about here so are open letters yeah. an even an effective way of getting this kind of problem exposed
1: i i think they are cuz they do you know create awareness but i think like you said it does it will it can put developers i think on the defensive a bit being worried oh maybe i'm not doing something right i, I, I think you're right on with that and what's interesting is you know, there actually recently was an open letter to Discord to get audio and video working properly in Wayland on Linux. And all Discord needs to do is upgrade their app to a newer version of Electron to be compatible with Wayland. It's, it's not a hard ask. Again, that letter wasn't directed to specific people or, <laughs> or the specific developers, so I don't know how effective it was.
0: So I see it as an interesting, you know, dichotomy of one side the open letters have potential to create change and progress. And the other side is that they are just as effective as petitions on change.org, which is very little. (laughs) Mm, So mm. um, I think what you're saying, Jill, about them being more geared to a wider audience is the best approach because, you know, like an open letter or a petition, if you're doing something that you want to get a lot of people to show how many people are interested in this thing happening, then an open letter or a petition makes a lot of sense. If you're just trying to convince someone that to not do something, the direct conversation, like Ryan was talking about with the example of the person being late all the time for work, that makes more sense. Because if this is for, for example, they've seen developers do this, I don't know how many times it's happened, but I don't know if it's going to be a massive scale issue. And because we don't know who those particular people uh, that did it are, it makes it harder for the open letter to really be of use to the wide wide audience uh, that's viewing it. Mm. So it's it's interesting, but I also think that it makes some sense in the terms of you know a lot of people might not be you know thinking about this, so it kind of brings something to their attention. So that, I guess that's good there too. So I'd say it's like a double edged sword. It's it's both useful and then also not at all but in the terms of the discord thing it makes sense if they were to create an open letter or a petition to get a lot of people to say hey we want this too and th- then they could take that information to discord and say this is how many people are wanting you to do this and it's a very easy ask yeah. for you to do it then they would have like oh okay well now we see what the the audience and the like the amount of uh, crowdsourcing that they did you know that kind of stuff could be helpful versus just going to them one time and asking for a request cuz if they the pro, the sad thing about corporations and companies is that they if they see an issue and they know it's an issue but it's not an issue that affects a lot of people they'll just skip it if it affects a lot of people then they they can That's justify true. putting the effort mm-hmm. in right yeah so maybe yeah. there's the in the open letter aspect and the petition aspect it could let them know how many people but in this case it's more of like the developers of projects signing this letter for other developers to see it. So it's kind of, Mm. I don't know how helpful it is as an open letter.
2: Interesting. So if you think about the effectiveness or just going into what they're talking about here, if you put whip, we talk about the effectiveness of what they're saying or draft into your code, is that really necessary that you have to talk with all of the devs and stuff first? Anybody agree that we should just adopt this change right here on Destination Linux? We declare this change adopted. <laughs> Don't touch the yeah. code if it's in wip or draft and talk to the developer first? I think yeah.
0: that's that's fair as a as perspective. I also like to, you know, kind of put on the devil's advocate, you know, glasses right now because of the idea of a draft or work in progress or something that you know, there is a lot of people who would want to test, but not are not that the same level of a developer that it would need to be in order to test certain things. So, if they were able to have someone uh, publish even in a draft or work in progress branch, or very clearly that it's not re- ready, that it would be useful for those people to test it who wouldn't normally have access to do so. So, in a, in a, some ways, I agree that they shouldn't be doing it as like a you should definitely not be publishing work in progress or draft stuff as if it is you know ready to go because that will create a lot of problems with the expectation of users as they mentioned in this blog post which totally makes sense because i've dealt with application development in the past myself and there have been times where i've gotten i've gotten like questions about issues that they are experiencing only because they have an older version of the application or they have a testing version of the application. And we're like, well, we'll still working on that one. But, you know, it's kind of like these different experiences a developer has versus what the uh, expectation is for the users.
2: So you know it firsthand then. You've had had this experience where people are Uh using a version that's not ready to be out, and then they're basically coming to you saying, hey, there's these problems. And in a way, I feel like, isn't that a good thing? You're kind of getting those problems early, but yeah. in some ways I also hear what you're saying, which is it's also distracting you from working on other things because you think something's broken, you're getting a ticket open. So it, it is an interesting situation and I see why they say it would be better to talk to the developer first and say, hey, Michael, we're thinking about packaging your software with our distro. You may get mm-hmm. tickets from it. Are you cool with that? And kind of getting your permission there first. So I Based on that, it kind of sounds like this makes sense. But one of the problems without talking to the developer, I think, is that even if your intentions are good, like this is a really exciting project, you want your community as a distro creator to kind of know about this. Maybe you even label it on your site that, hey guys, keep in mind, this is in beta and all this. You know how the average user is. I mean, the whole privacy policy and terms and conditions that I keep harping on on my YouTube channel and stuff that people need to actually pay attention to, We know what they do instead of reading all of that stuff, telling them, like, we need your firstborn child and all this. They just next, 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 because they want to get to the software. You know, they're excited Mm -hmm. to get to the software. So if you're even if you're just doing proper, like, hey, keep in mind, this is in beta or this is work in progress. It still could create a lot of issues because people don't read. You know?
1: Oh yeah, uh, and I just had a thought. Instead of doing having them, you know, go through the legal ease and hitting next, next, maybe when the distro boots, actually having a notification that says, "Hey, this this uh, particular software is still a work in progress. We're just letting you know, just in case there's issues," because uh, everyone looks at their desktop when it first boots. <laughs> so yeah, you know how mad audience. i would be
2: if i had pop-ups talking to me <laughs> yeah. about stuff not working no i don't like no. this idea joe people like you who are nice <laughs> would like that but me i'm not nice i don't want I, to get off to get my out. desktop with your dumb message
0: it doesn't have to be a pop-up you could do like the small in the corner of the wallpaper like the yeah. old activate windows no thing. i don't want and then that. It
2: w- i don't want to talk to me
0: i'm busy as I said, but as a as a random side point that i just thought was hilarious There is a project created called Activate Linux, and it's just it just puts that on your on your wallpaper. Maybe they could use that as a way to indicate.
2: <laughs> oh, like the Windows yes. license activation. Thing. Yes, exactly. Oh, yes. That's hilarious. The project. Oh, I love this project. All it does
0: is do. All it does Ooh. is put that message and nothing else. Like, maybe you could use it for indicating it's beta or something. <laughs>
2: Why have I not been told about this project? This project yeah. makes me so happy. That is so awesome. <laughs> that's so
1: cool.
0: And the best part is that when uh, in the the uh, github project about why it exists they were like basically why not because i want i wanted to so that's why it exists and but now we've come up with this a, a, a solution to use this project as a way to indicate va- a value to the beta There's project some- so there you go they, <laughs> you I never love this know project just <laughs> the
2: way it is because i think yeah. sometimes you wonder if you have like a break fix issue or something in linux you're like man i maybe i won't you know, wonder, miss Windows 10 a little bit. Maybe I should go check out Windows. But if you had that little activation icon, when you have that thought, you would look down and be like, nah, nah I don't, I don't want to go back. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember those days of chasing activation keys and all of that. But no, no, I'll stick here right in Linux. I like <laughs> it, man. I'm going to run that project 100% after this show. It won't be default desktop, Michael. It'll be default desktop plus that application. Exactly. Yeah. De- default plus activate. <laughs> activate yes oh. I love this idea so there you go open letters to the community I think a couple things we've taken out of this number one be a little bit more targeted and focused on the message because yeah. we have no idea who you're referencing maybe an example <laughs> I know you don't want to throw people under the bus um, or if it's a specific developer themselves then just go to that developer themselves and tell them to stop. Um, but number two, I think it's a great idea to always have the conversations with developers because it can't yeah, create unnecessary absolutely. issues and problems.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we do, we want Linux distros that aren't not only stable for new users, but are stable for all users. And if you're a developer who contributes to Linux and share the same view, you can go sign this letter too.
2: Well, I, I did make Michael AI. <laughs> and so but imagine the power behind this open letter if i signed it as the uh, michael ai creator you know yes
0: but michael ai is always complete and perfect therefore you don't have to worry about it's never in
2: beta it's never in a work in progress it is the perfect code well there you go so we'd love to hear your comments and feedback on this as always especially if you are a developer and you've run into this give us some more insight into some of the things that you've run into or why you think it's important but Overall, reach out to developers if you want to use some code that's work in progress. And if you're a developer, mark your code if it's a work in progress or draft so that people don't accidentally package it because they may think it's ready when it's not there. But you know what code is perfect? I mean, absolutely perfect. Besides Michael AI. I know the first thing everyone in our community just (laughs) thought was Michael AI immediately. Uh, But also really good code is Bitwarden. This episode of Destination (laughs) Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. A password manager is software that allows you to have peace of mind knowing your online accounts are secure. Bitwarden provides you the tools to store all your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords, and now auto-generate your usernames because you've got two things people need if they were going to hack you. They need your username and they need your passwords. You don't want to use the same username on every single account either. And now Bitwarden helps you automatically generate new usernames as well. And it will automatically fill those in and forms for you so you don't have to deal with all the hassle looking stuff up. You can access your data across many types of devices, your web browser, mobile apps, desktop applications, even the command line. For those of you who never leave the command line, you don't have to, you could keep using Bitwarden there too. Bitwarden seals and encryption private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your device, so you know you're the only one with access to your data. And now they have Firefox Relay support integrated as well, which is awesome. This creates basically some fake, or I wouldn't call it fake, but they're forwarding email accounts so that when you're signing up for services in Firefox Relay, it'll give you an email address to use, and then that email address will send the email to your actual email, but the company won't have your actual email and you can delete those relays and create new ones. It's a really cool service, go check it out. Um, but Bitwarden has that integrated as well. Go to bitwarden.com tux, that's T-U-X, to get started. You wanna do that, not just go to bitwarden.com, you wanna do the slash tux, so that they know you came from this community. Helps us, uh, let them know that they've got all the support of our community and keeps Bitwarden an awesome sponsor of this network bitwarn.com slash talks to get started thanks again bitwarn for sponsoring this episode of destination linux
0: so in the news this week we're going to talk about an application that has a brand new version out that we talked about previously because of some news that they talked about in terms of acquiring canine mail because thunderbird 102 102 is out and there is a lot of changes with this particular release there's a lot of great stuff that is you know things that people have been wanting, such as import and export feature. And also there's some changes to refreshing of the colors and icons just to kind of improve the look and feel. They also added matrix support, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think that the the most important thing for myself and and Jill specifically, because we talked about this on previous episode of the show, is that they have added mm-hmm. scaling options inside of Thunderbird for the, the UI of the overall experience. Yay. So that is fantastic.
2: Well, yeah. I think that, Michael, we have to discuss the fact that you went on a total rant, unfiltered rant, about <laughs> Element Matrix this week, and we've decided to move our entire community back to IRC. And so, does Thunderbird <laughs> have IRC integrated into it? Yes, okay. they
1: do. It it does. Does. Oh, yeah. well, in that case, we're
2: good. Okay, we're so good. I don't
0: remember having a unfiltered rant. I mean, I did make, like, make comments about how Matrix has issues, yes, but... I don't remember saying that we were switching to IRC. Could
2: imagine if it was unfiltered, then geez, because it was rough. I agreed with you, by the way, uh, on a lot <laughs> of the things uh, that were frustrating there. But it does have IRC support, so we can move our entire community of thousands of people that are in Matrix now back to IRC, right. where we belong. Right? No.
1: Oh, but maybe we don't want to do that because Thunderbird might be the best uh, Matrix client we've ever oh, had. That's
2: true. Maybe it'll fix all those problems <laughs> by having it in Thunderbird. You know, I love this idea, though, truthfully, that I could only open one app and have my mail that I don't read until Michael forwards to me anyways, but I could go right to the Matrix client and then have that right there with the community and not have to have two separate applications. So, Speaking of filtering, I think this is
0: I'm Ryan's filter for email.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <right. laughs> Uh, Michael, yes. make sure I don't get spam. Like,, yeah, I don't want spam. So uh, the other thing that's really cool is their their contacts now. They're way yeah. better, the address book looks so amazing. Like Jason Vangelis sent out a tweet before this ever launched, like showing his own contact information. And I wonder if he put his real address in there because it looked like a real address. I'm like,
1: dude, do you (laughs) internet?
2: You never give your address. I don't think it was, but it looked looked like that. It, It was a really, it looks really professional. Like the first thing I thought when I saw it was, what app is that? And it was Thunderbird. And so they've done a lot of work to clean up the address book and make it look really tight. And it's, they've just done a good job on it.
1: Really oh, good. absolutely. And I love that you can import your settings and data data from CMonkey. And yeah, as Michael was talking about earlier, with this release, you can now adjust the global font scaling of the application independent of the message font size. yeah. So I can actually now read all the fonts in Thunderbird on my Ultra HD high-DPI monitors. Woohoo! Thank you! <laughs> they listened to us. Yeah. That was so cool. I,
0: I think it's fantastic that they <laughs> they specifically stated that because of our episode, that they yeah. decided to add this feature. I mean, obviously that happened two weeks ago, so the development of that code was really quick. So, I mean, that's impressive too. So I just wanted to, you know, point it out, like, Yes, yeah, we we talked about it. Yes, it did happen. Is that a coincidence?
2: Maybe, maybe not. We'll never know.
1: <laughs> they they specifically tweeted us to let us yeah. know. Yeah, yep. That
0: was awesome. I, I do, yeah, I yeah. do appreciate Yeah, it's
2: very cool. The, I love seeing the excitement and hype back. And, and I kind of, we talked about this in the last thing. I knew that's what Jason would bring to it with the marketing yeah. capabilities he has. But I love seeing the excitement back for something like this because it's not something you think about very often. Like mm-hmm. an email client, it's like once you get it set up, it's like, okay, it's done. It's there if I have to open it. But I don't really want to think about it. But they're creating a lot of hype behind it and putting a lot of work into it. And I just love seeing that. It makes me excited for the project again. And yeah. I just can't wait to see what they're going to come out with next to fix Woo-hoo. like some of the other things we talked about, like the dark theming being kind of universal across the application and things like that. We'll only make it better. And those aren't ne- yeah. necessities. It'll just make it that much better to have those type of things there.
1: Our game this week... Is called Inscription. Yes. (laughs) Ryan actually has given me another horror game to play. (laughs) The genre of game I don't normally like.
2: (laughs) I'm going to make you a fan of these games. I'm going to find one that you eventually love here. You know what's funny, though, Jill, is you were like, Inscription, ooh. like That name does not make me think ooh immediately, and Inscription could be a good thing.
1: Yeah, but I like I guess how so. you said it. You
2: were set in the mood. No, it was good. You were set in the mood, yeah. Jill. It was just, it just was kind setting... of made me laugh because like, I just made an inscription. Like by itself, yeah. it's not that you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. All right, yeah. tell us about it, Jill.
1: Well, this game, you know, it's so well done and it has a very, very dark atmosphere and great animation and incredible sound effects. And it's actually... Oddly satisfies me, but it also gives me the creeps too. Thank you, Ryan.
2: <laughs> You're welcome.
1: <laughs> so, but what what this game is? It's a roguelike deck-building game, but this deck-building game has a twist. It also has escape room-style puzzles and is a scary psychological horror all in one. And not only that, it is also very meta. It involves found footage as the player watches the experiences of a vlogger that stumbled across a computer game called Inscription, which holds a number of strange secrets.
2: Ooh, that sounds uh, interesting. Is the vlogger's name Michael? By the way. No. <laughs> okay, just checking. No.
1: Just checking. And um, to that end, it also has uh, you know wonderful eight-bit theming of the menus. And that all the buttons in the menu require you to move a card, like in a deck of cards. So it sets the mood immediately when you go into the game. Yeah, this game
2: looked just amazing to me. And I have gotten into a couple deck building games over the years. There was one by Blizzard, like none of them I can think of their name right now, but there was one deck building game by Blizzard that came out. I know Steam had their own one that was hyped up that didn't go anywhere for a while, But this one just looks really unique. It's like a very different twist on the traditional deck building game. And one of the things I thought about besides scaring you, Jill, was that (laughs) Michael doesn't like deck building games. And I kind of wanted to challenge him for when he gets his Steam Deck to play a deck building game. And this mm -hmm. one has so many positive reviews. Yeah. like This one might be one to check out.
1: It works on the Steam Deck beautifully. Oh, as she well. held it
2: up again, Michael. Again. I'm so sorry. Uh, again. I'm sorry. Jill just keeps <laughs> rubbing it in your Every face. Every week, but I apologize Every on her week. behalf.
1: <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's it's really neat. It actually, uh, Michael. The nice thing is that it goes through a tutorial when you start the game on you know how to play. It's which idiot is really per- nice yeah because uh, a lot of probably. the deck probably yeah a lot of the deck Maybe. building games are very complex and if you've never played one before it can be very a very daunting task <laughs> so but this one you know helps you through the process
2: well I, I like this game because I saw one of the reviewers said don't let this game intimidate you it's not what it seems never knew I would like a card game and so yeah. I feel like Michael is someone like you that didn't like card games. So something you might want to check out. Cool. Get you hooked on card game. As
0: soon as I get the mystical Steam Deck, then I might.
2: Then you might might play Fair (laughs) enough. All right. Well, if that game deck building isn't for you, or even if it is for you, you may want to check out Modular Calculator, which is our software spotlight. Modular Calculator is a powerful scriptable. This is what makes it different. Scriptable Modular Calculator aimed at scientific engineering or computing work. Long calculations can be written as a list of calculations. You can store results into variables that can be used in later stages. All these features can be added, removed, customized, and you can even add your own new features if you know Python. You can write your own features for it as well, which makes it really unique. Now, there are a lot of cool scientific calendar apps and things out there, but I'm not very familiar with many that have the ability to create your own modules for it using Python, which makes this one a really cool one to play with there. Uh, Numbers can be in any base and convert to another base, variable assignments, statistical and trigonometry functions. You could really impress your professors and things if you're in college taking classes, or maybe if you're in data analysis, you could utilize this uh, to really help you out and get through those problems there and get through college. It's not cheating, but it's close.
1: Yes, and it's so nice to have you know uh, software alternatives to the very expensive Texas Instruments <laughs> calculators that you have to buy in IRL for classes. Yeah, you
2: would think, by the way, those calculators would have gone down in price no, over the last set. what yeah. fifty years they've been developing that yeah. version of it. Um, but it keeps going up higher. Yeah. I'm like, this has to be cheaper to produce now than it was ten years ago. When this yeah. exact same calculator with the exact same <laughs> features was built. But maybe they don't sell as many now because people can use things like this. Here, yeah. Yeah. The modular calculator.
1: <laughs> and what I like about the modular calculator, well, uh, now you can install Doom even faster on it because you can write your own code.
0: <laughs> there you go. Sure. Also, you said that it's, it's not cheating. But if you include the Michael
2: AI, which is
0: Python, which might be able to be a Whoa. plugin. Who knows what could happen? Oh
1: yeah,
2: that's a challenge to the community. You know, Can you get Michael AI to work in the modular calculator? That would be amazing.
1: Oh, you should be, especially if it's it's, it's small size. What twelve kil- kilobits? Jill, that, that's that insulting
2: work. to Michael. <laughs> it's, it's his entire brain we download in the program. You didn't need to bring that up to everyone that it's only twelve kilobytes. See, this
0: is what I meant by savage Jill earlier, people. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But yes, it should be small enough, Michael's brain, to fit into modular calculator. <laughs> Imagine if we connect math and Michael's brain together. What could happen? Like Explosions. This is, like, this is the beginning you, that's 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 of sentient life right here. Sure. Folks. Sure. Sentient well, that, life. That
1: leads into his tip of the re- week. See? Prawn. Yeah.
2: That uh, we it?
1: could use. <laughs> yeah, I <guess. laughs> Does it? <laughs> uh okay we could use cron to to set a time to launch the michael ai scripts
2: yeah the sentient script a countdown it's not sentient yes. if, it's, if you're telling it to
0: launch you know <laughs> for those who are curious about sentient ai check out hardware addicts latest episode we talked about yeah. the ethics yeah, of, of sentient that was AI. dope it was a really yeah. interesting conversation so check that out we'll have link, linked in the show notes but last week we talked about cron in our tip of the week so this week we're gonna dive a little bit more into cron and so we're going to talk about the the directory and the commands parts of cron because we talked about the syntax last week if you'd missed that wouldn't you, you would check out the links in the show notes you can see the the full list of all the options we' because we're to, there's a, this series is going to be a few episodes so you know buckle in or whatever buckle up buddy <laughs> there you go so for this, we're going to create a simple cron job that creates a text file. Now, of course, you could make this do whatever you want, and the whole point is just to give you an example. So once you have this concept down, you can do things like auto-update the script that will automatically update your system you know, once a month or whatever you want it to do. And to run this kind of script, we're going to run it under the user's account. You can also do a global account if you want to, but it's typically better to do it under the user account, depending on what you need to do. Now, there are some times where you would need to do a global, but since we're going to be doing it in the uh, user account, so you need to do uh, crontab-e, and then you use the command generator from the crontab generator to set the time and date. And in the crontab generator, you can also put the code you want to execute, which is, for example, creating this file, we would do use the touch command, and then we would put the path directory to the file and then the name of the file. So Uh, home user documents text.txt. So that that sort of example. Uh, So this will get will generate a text file in your home directory. And if you see that text.txt file appear, then cron is working for you. And then you can take this and now create a lot more elaborate approach. Because now that you know that cron is working, you could do so much great stuff. And then next week, we're going to talk about logs and doing something more interesting than generating a text file
2: i love cron for its backup capability but there's also servers that i'm pretty hands-off with that i don't care i need the updates to apply for security reasons but don't care if the, the server resets and things like that for an update so i have a whole cron system that goes in will every month run an update on the servers with all of the software upgrades patches all of that stuff reboot the server and then it's back up and running and everything auto auto starts as well. And so there's so many awesome things you can do with cron once you learn the ability to do the basics. And I think the easiest thing to do the basics is that crontab generator we talked about last week because that's gonna help you get over the time syntax and that's gonna help you put in all the commands you need, whether you're running an sh script or you're just doing a simple command that you want to put in there, like a touch of a file and things like that. You can do all of that in that one little GUI there and generate it, but definitely check out Cron. It's so awesome. So in our announcements this week, Der Hans has hooked us up with the Gwadek for the GNOME community. is happening on July 20th through the 25th. The 25th Gwadek. There, July 20th through the 25th in Guadalajara, Mexico, which I pronounced perfectly because Michael phonetically spelt it out beneath it for me. Yeah. You're welcome. your face for. <laughs> Scale is also happening <laughs> in person July 28th through the 31st. And Michael, Jill, and myself will be there in person July 28th through the 31st, thirty first, not 31st, <laughs> in Los Angeles, California. So Woo-hoo. we're headed to California, Michael. We got to get our surfboards. We got to dye like, strips yeah. of our hair blonde. We gotta yeah. talk like, some dude. Yeah. yeah, and we gotta have
1: awesome yeah. tubular.
2: Yes, we gotta learn words like that. Yeah, it's gonna be an absolute <laughs> blast there. And you know what we need, Michael, for our, our scale trip? What's that? We need sinister Wendy shirts. Oh, I agree. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, we're Team Wendy, even though it doesn't feel like it, because we created the sinister Wendy shirt. We we're definitely <laughs> Team Wendy. We were definitely we on have... Team
0: Wendy. We just we just also have fun with being on Team Wendy.
2: <laughs> yes, we have to pick on Wendy. That that shows that shows we like you and we pick on you nest with fedora (laughs) virtual august 4th through the 6th and there's also calls for proposals and sponsors potentially still up there so check out nest with fedora as well and a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to destination linux however you do it we love your faces we're here every sunday at 1 p.m eastern live at tuxdigital.com and the best part is everyone is invited to watch the show and the recording of destination linux each and every week We can't wait to see you in the chat. In fact, we're so committed each and every week. We're all so committed that we even made Michael work sick. Like That's how committed we are by making Michael work sick.
1: He's such a trooper. We love Michael.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Jill. <laughs> and I also, mm-hmm. I guess, appreciate Ryan making
2: me yes. work sick. <laughs> I, yes. I, guess. I feel like I sacrificed, you know, yeah, making right. you work yeah. sick. You know,
0: So, yes, I am sick, and uh, I appreciate that, you know, people uh, want this show to happen. So I decided I'm going to do that. And also because I wanted to hang out with the patrons that we have in yeah. our patron-only post show. Because if you become a patron by go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute. You can join us in the patron only post show that happens every week after the show in our sixty thousand square foot virtual stadium. And it's huge. It's a huge stadium. Yep. And also we have unedited versions of the show. For those who can't watch live, they can check out the unedited versions as patrons when you go to tuxedigital.com slash contribute and sign up. You can also go to TuxDigital.com slash store to support the show and you can check out all the different awesome swag we have such as t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, coasters, all sorts of great stuff. And and of course, the new Sinister Wendy or Team Wendy uh, uh, Mm -hmm. collection. You can check out all all sorts of great stuff there. We have aprons and shirts and coasters and all sorts of stuff. So check it out, TuxDigital.com slash store to get all of your Tux Digital goodness in the swag form,
1: uh huh, like and not only checking out all our swag, but check out all our awesome shows here on Text Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and our virtual Linux user group, Linux Saloon. So make sure to head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all our wonderful shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce.
0: Everybody have a great week, and remember a great
2: th- week, and remember
0: that the journey itself the journey itself is just as important
2: just as important
0: as the destination
1: <laughs> as, as the, the destination. destination. <laughs>
0: what was that? I uh, it, it it added an extra flair to it, so I approved. yeah.
1: I wanted I w- <laughs> to be your
2: hype man, like you know you're just a little sick, you're a little down, so I like wanted to oh, I want to put some oomph in it. I
0: appreciate you know? that. Yeah, you're welcome.
2: <laughs> <laughs>